Hello, and welcome to episode 137 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're going to talk limited. All of the limited stuff. Uh, All we've of the had, stuff. Yeah, going back to like before we started this playing in paper series, uh, we had a lot of people asking for limited content. And I promised you we'd get there, and today we're getting there. The show's all about limited. Um, I have a feeling it's going to spill into next week, too. Spoiler alert. There you go. So if you would like to get us about like your limited experiences, things you'd like us to touch on for next week, if we do, there is a part two, you can tweet us at Casual Tripod. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a part two. So if there's anything that... We didn't cover in this first part, and you want to make sure we talk about in the second part, let us know on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. Or you can email us, show at casualtryhardmtg.com, or you can ask us in our Discord. Uh, there's a link in the description. There's a link on our social media. Hop on over, post your questions up. Um, let us know what you're playing in Historic, too. There's a lot of cool decks floating around out there. You uh, sweet patrons... Uh, they got access to our pre-show, heard us talk all about some of the new decks in Historic. Um, if you want to listen to that, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get access to our show notes the day before the show goes live, so you get a sneak peek about what's coming up in that episode. And like I said, you also get access to our pre-show. Uh, this whole summer, kind of our normal episodes have been like shoved into the pre-show a little bit so that we can make room for this playing and paper series. Plus you get to hear us unfiltered, uncut, unedited, which is always fun. Lots of ums. Yeah. So hop on over to patreon.com slash casual MTG and throw us a couple bucks. Helps us keep the show going and get you some access to some additional content. Uh, we also have a TCG player affiliate link. If you want to support us that way, you're going to buy cards Anyway, for your collection, you might as well support us while you're doing so. tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com is the link. Anything you purchase after following that link, we'll get a cut of to help keep the show going. And we have our YouTube channel, uh, Casual Tryhard MTG on YouTube. There will most definitely be some sort of content for Midnight Hut on our YouTube channel. Yes. Um, I don't know how much sealed product I'm going to purchase. It hasn't gone up for pre-sale yet, so... Waiting to see kind of where the prices lie, but I'll definitely be opening some stuff on on the YouTube channel, and I imagine there'll be some limited stuff up there too. Okay, real real quick, just something that you mentioned. It's not up for pre-sale yet? Uh, well, it's not locally. Okay, because I, like, yeah. I was just like... I'm sure it is somewhere, like, but it's not at our game store yet. Spoilers start the day this podcast comes out. They do. And like, it's not... Okay. Like I was, just, I, I thought even like anywhere. And I was like, that just seems like no, 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 no. super crazy. But okay, that's fine. No, that's fine. Just here in Myrtle Beach. Okay, so we are going to talk limited, and like you said, most of our limited now happens at set release. Mm -hmm. So pre-releases uh, for sealed, and yep. then uh, it. It is awkward because, like, I end up drafting a whole, whole bunch, mm -hmm. like, early in the format. And then, like, I just never think about it again after, like, two weeks. Right. In every set, I'm like, I'm going to pace myself. 
<laughs> and then every set I'm doing like three drafts a day. Yeah. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm bored with this set now. Which I guess I'm doing more drafts than I would normally have done in paper. Yes. By a lot. Uh, back in my glory days, when I was doing three or four cons drafts a week, <laughs> uh, I did a lot of cons drafts. Yeah, but now you're doing that in a night. Yeah, I'm doing three or four in a night. This is true. I'm just condensing it down where cons I stretched out over three months and got 40 drafts in. I'm getting 40 drafts in in like two weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's a much different feeling. Yes. Right. I spent like, especially like you have, we'll talk about like draft changing. You have a lot less time to adjust. Yeah. Right. Like if three people at your table have like figured out the under drafted thing mm-hmm. and like the stuff that was wheeling no longer wheels. And you're like, well, what happened to my deck? <laughs> Like and you yeah. do, and you're like and you by the time you figure it out you've like incinerated like three drafts and you're like well I guess I don't have any more money for drafts okay yeah um so um hey 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 what I was gonna say what do you mean we're not limited experts you're like we're not limited experts but we both day two to limited GP hey now well. I think that puts <laughs> us in the in the category of expert adjacent at least come on now. Well, like limited's not either of our preferred formats. No, no. It's like if I'm going to sit down and play some games, I'm not going to say, "Oh, let's draft Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, please." No, like we're going to jam some modern legacy or, or modern legacy or, or, yeah, or yeah, something pioneer, Fair. whatever. Fair. Like limited is not you know what jumps to my mind unless it's like a weird set. Yeah, like Modern Horizons, I would draft. I didn't get to draft any of that. Mystery booster. Mystery boosters I would draft. That would be like a, a choice cube. one. Time spiral. Yeah. A, a good a good well constructed cube. But Yeah. So so by that definition, fine. We're not we're not limited masters or limited experts, but we we've done a lot of limited in our time. Oh yeah. So we have um uh you know we have we have some knowledge to share. Yeah. Also, keep in mind, like these show notes are more or less the same as what we used when we first did this episode, like a hundred episodes ago. So. Yeah. We're we're way better. I've I've played so many more draft <laughs> games since then. Yeah. All right. And now this is true. You have here that like, you know, people will. Uh, complain when they're sitting by the good players that they always take all the good cards and yeah and it's like like that's the point is to take the good (laughs) cards and you know and also learning like what the good cards are in that particular seat or yeah and like that was kind of the point that i was trying to make is that like a lot of times new players will sit next to you know whatever high level like players at their store and think, oh, you know, I'm going to get a terrible deck because he's going to take all the good cards before they get to me. Well, that's not really the case because for the most part, like every seat in the table should be drafting its own archetype. Yeah. Like you I would, shouldn't you should be trying to not take the same archetype as somebody else. I would so, much rather sit beside someone who I thought was a good drafter. Yeah. Then sit beside someone who I thought had no idea what they were doing. 
Oh, 100% of the time. Because, like, if you can figure out that they're, like, you know, I always have a hard time putting someone specifically on a color, but I Mm -hmm. can figure out, like, okay, people are taking red and black cards beside me. Yeah. I should be not those colors. Mm -hmm. Right? Where if you are beside someone who is less good, they might just yeah. be like, I'm taking everything that has a hat. <laughs> My deck is tribal hats. Yeah. And you're just like, I have no idea what you were doing. I couldn't <laughs> figure out what I was supposed to take because it was just like random yeah. stuff. Right. And right. like that's when your your deck goes off the rails. Yeah. Is when you, you don't get any signals from anybody and all of the packs are a jumbled mess and nobody can place anybody anywhere. I would yeah. absolutely much rather be sitting next to somebody that's going to put me in a color or an archetype or something, a direction to go. If you sit beside me, I will remember the first two or three good cards I passed you that you were supposed to take. Oh, yeah. And I will be like, all right. Well, I know, like, you know, if there's a red rare and a red uncommon removal spell, and I'm like, well, I'm taking the really good red rare, you know, I'll take the the dragon, and yeah. you can have the red removal spell, and, like, you're going to think you should take red, and it's my job to, like, cut red the next four picks. Right. And then you're like, oh, I guess I don't get red. I'm not in red. So that I get red coming back the other way. Right? Like, that's way better for me. To let you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I passed you a good red card, but you're not going to see any other good red cards. So, <laughs> so please, so please go away. Like, don't take, take notice. It in, yeah, or like I take a red card and pass you a good black card, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, you're supposed to take that black card. Yes. So, I'm not going to see black next pack. So, unless mm-hmm. there's a really good reason for me to take a black card here, I should take this blue card and know yep. that like you're going to get this decent black card past you mm-hmm. like oh they should be in black i shouldn't see black i shouldn't move into black yep right that's much better than like i like hats hat <laughs> hat 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 so i'm gonna right. take goblins yeah you, do you remember that draft were you in that draft with i do me? yeah yeah my opponent was like it's a goblin and the guy kid was like it's a goblin and i was like no it's it's like a picture of a goblin. Yeah, it was like a destroyed artifact or like deal four to a creature yeah. with flying. But it has a, like he cast it and was like, but it's a goblin. I'm like, it, <laughs> it, it does not have power and toughness, good sir. Right. But it does in it's fact just, have It's a, just a spell. It does in fact have a picture of a goblin on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so when you're, when you're drafting, you should be trying to receive signals. You yes. should be trying to figure out not so much like i said it's oftentimes for me i can't tell you like oh this person is definitely blue green beside me right but like being like oh i took a green card and then i haven't seen a playable green card for six picks yeah i guess i'm not playing this green card right right like maybe just splashing it or whatever yeah but being able to like figure out like i've not seen a good fill in the blank color card mm-hmm. in uh, in four or five picks i don't think i'm going to be in that color yeah right a like, lot of times i can place like one or two people at a table yeah 
where like I know that he's on you know Selesnia and I know that they're on Boros or whatever um normally I can place like one or two people and a lot of times they're not even like the people directly next to me like one of them is easier than the other but yeah but so when you start your draft you don't have a color Mm-hmm. So you're just trying to take the best card in the pack. Yeah, your first couple picks should be kind of just the best color in the pack so that you can kind of read what's going on at the table. Yeah. So you have here that, like, in an ideal world, if the power level of the cards are all the same, right, mm-hmm. you should take a colorless card over anything else because right. regardless of what color you end up in, you know you that play. card goes in your deck. Yep. Right. So if you have a if you open a pack and every card is a seven. Yep. Take, take the colorless the, one. Because you are a hundred percent to play that card. Yep. Right. Then like you want like monocolored cards that are easily spot easily splashable. So yeah. think about like a single colored card, like three and a right. red. Right. Right. If you're green black, you could maybe get a couple like red sources in your deck to be able to play that card. Yeah, and it's not it's not just like the one colored mana symbol. Um it's also where it comes down on your curve because like you're going to be more prone to like be able to cast a, you know, a five drop with a single colored mana symbol, you know, on time when you need to than a two drop. Like if you're splashing red in that black green deck, um you're going it, to it's going to be a lot harder for you to like splash a ragavan than it would be to splash my, my I don't know something else that's a five drop with one red mana symbol in it. Yeah. I I'm trying to think of a modern horizons card, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh but um so you have that and then you have the primarily the primary uh monocolored card. So basically two color requirements, right? Red red green green right right those are harder to splash yeah like the werewolf from uh forgotten realms the werewolf from forgotten realms yeah oh. the three three for yeah, two the, for the, green the, green yeah yeah silver pack whatever or yeah 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 like that guy not splashable right right it's got two strikes against it it's green it's double colored mm-hmm. and it's like a two drop right it's right. power it is curve yeah, its power is it's a two mana three three. It is yep. less impressive if your turn six play is a three three. Right. Right. So um having those cards that are easy to splash, then mm-hmm. cards that are harder, right? But they're still one color. So right, right you're still, you know roughly you're still like, kind of open like you can still splash another color if you need to yeah. but you're definitely green yes but like if you take those if you take a, a card like that you're still like still 20 percent, maybe a little bit higher because you've taken one card to play it right like mm-hmm. if you're equal to if there's an equal chance you play all the colors right, right? but you could still end up blue black mm-hmm. and just not get to play that card right Right, but it's, you have a higher chance of not playing that card. That's why it's you know further yes, down on the list. Exactly, and then you yep. have two colored cards, right? Yep, multicolored. Yeah, so two and three colored cards. 
because you have to be now you're locking yourself into two colors mm-hmm. you're like oh this card's red white i can only play it in a deck that has red and white mana right right so you've locked yourself in or like oh hey i have a you know a salty card yeah right like I, you lock yourself in now sometimes like if you remember like way back in the day like if you got like sadisi you were fine locking yourself in you're like cool Right. Oh, I got yeah. a siege right now. Cool. Well, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Right. Or yeah, you know, the mana was great in that set, though. Yeah, I I guess like even like in Ikoria, right, that had pretty good mana. Right. Yeah. You know, you have a you get like a Genesis Ultimatum, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, we can make this work. Like this card's too good not to play. Yeah. So, but early on, you're like, take the best possible card because you don't know what you want to play. Yeah, if you like if you pick things in that order, you can kind of move around a little bit as you're picking up on the next signals. Um and that's why, you know, it's important to kind of pick them in that order for your first few picks. If you like I mean we just went over it all, but if you pick, you know, something that's easily splashable, that could turn into your splash color if you need to. Whereas, you know, if you pick something that's, you know, green green, you're probably not going to splash that. You need to be base green, otherwise you're not going to play it. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's to keep yourself op- open so that you can, you know, adjust as you get more information. Yeah. The- and I was just going to say, especially lately um, with the way they're designing cards, a lot of times the best card in the pack is not the rare um like the amount of bomb uncommons or like first pick removal spells that they've been printing lately is kind of absurd so yeah make sure you know what the cards do and don't just pick the rare because it's the rare yeah now there is a caveat to that which is like it used to be almost like like a badge of like honor like oh i took this like good rare but my colors weren't open so i moved off of that rare yeah. To like, oh, I took this red rare and I ended up blue black, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm such a, you know, skilled, savvy drafter, disciplined drafter. The problem is, is like, when, now when the rares are good, it, they're usually so good that it's almost yeah. better to like, like, you know, lock onto your first pick a lot of times, which is not how it was five years yeah. ago. I mean, it can be for sure if you open the right rare. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot more cards that rare that are like oh man this I, if I resolve this I just win right yeah like goldspan dragon yeah like like I kind of need to be red because I open this goldspan dragon right so, all right let me maybe I'll hedge a little bit more where like years Before ago set. I'd be like yeah years ago like there weren't like goldspan dragon level cards right right so or you know you know ridiculous planeswalker. Right, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, even like Kalish, like, oh, I opened a Chandra. I yeah. guess I need to make sure I play Chandra. Right. Right. So, well, well, like not taking the rare is, you know, a, a reasonable thing. Like, oh, hey, like, you know, I got a power word kill. Yeah. Right. There's still part of this, like, like, all right, I should take this. But like, there's sometimes the, a lot of times the rares are like nines. Right, and you just gotta take the nine and write it, mm-hmm. right? Which is, again, when there was a kind of a flatter power distribution, 
right? Like it was, it was not as imperative, right? He said, he said, premium removal goes early in draft. So, what mm-hmm. constitutes a premium removal spell? Um, something that's cheap and flexible. Um, like you had just mentioned, power word kill, and like obviously you have a lot more experience in that limited environment than I do. I really didn't play that much, but I kind of found that one underwhelming because it it didn't hit like any of the big things that you needed it to. Yeah, it wasn't. That is the kind of card that is like two or three mana in its instant speed. I guess maybe a better one is like, well, even heartless act had like a, a pretty big hole in its format. Yeah. Right. I guess you have murder here as an example. I think that's reasonable. Uh, yeah, I mean, like any format that has murder in it, that is like the premium removal spell. It just kills a thing. It doesn't care what it is. It's at instant speed. It's cheap. Yeah. It just does the thing. Yeah, so those kind of cards are usually pretty sought after and are cards that you can like easily take over um, like a rare. Mm-hmm. Right. The uh, like the red removal spells also. Um, normally, there's like an uncommon like two mana ish deals three damage, four damage to a creature, whatever. Um, those are usually like the premium removal spells, and then sometimes there's like a five or six mana one that will basically just kill a thing, and sometimes there's like a shock also. Yeah. The, the cheap red removal that, like, allows you to keep your opponent off the board early and then late in the yeah. game can team up with something to kill a creature or can finish off your opponent. Yep. The next things are the the bomb uncommons, the really powerful uncommons. A lot of times they're part of, like, the signpost uncommons, which are, like, the yeah. things telling you what to do. Yep. Right? So in modern limited formats... They typically, if all 10 color pairs are playable, right? they will have uncommons, 10 of them that are gold, that are like, hey, I'm red-white, and I pump all attacking creatures plus one plus one. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to attack. Oh, I'm green-black, and every time a land comes goes into your graveyard, you gain a life and draw a card. It's like, so I'm supposed to figure out a way to get lands in my graveyard. Check. As a yep. green black wants me to do. So they yep. kind of tell you like, hey, take the cards that support this. Now, yeah. the, the gold They, they kind of serve, uh, okay. I was just going to say, they, they kind of serve like double duty as well because they don't just tell you what that color pair wants to do, but they also stand out in a pack. So I found like while I'm drafting, if I just look for the signpost on commons, a lot of times that'll tell me what's open at a table also. Yeah. Like if somebody passes me the, you know, black red two drop that makes a treasure and then, you know, makes my creatures bigger. If I use treasures, like I'm pretty like that card's decent. I'm pretty confident. Nobody's going to be in red, black. If I, if my first pick was a red card or, or a black card and, you know, I see one of those at pick four, I know it's probably pretty safe to move into Rakdos and kind of shore that up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those cards that you're like, ooh, I guess this is open. I guess I will be yeah. that person now. Right. So now since the the signposts and commons are gold, they are lower on the pick order that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. But the like really good 
uncommons <clears throat> that are a single color, right? They they go pretty highly as well. Like if yes. you're if your rare is so so and there's not like a really good premium removal spell, that's when you're like, oh man, like this uh remember gosh what was it the bear the star four bear that went and got a snow land from oh yeah that thing was a house that thing was unbelievable and like you would feel fine starting your draft with that bear you're like oh cool so a lot of times especially later in the format you know what what uncommons support the best archetypes yeah and when you see that you're like oh i can take this and then try to move into that archetype Mm-hmm. now there are times where like taking the gold uncommon first is like best like if you're in ikoria and you open a zenith flare you <laughs> yes. have a deck right you're now going to take every card that's a cycle one and you're going to like 25 your opponent right right so like those kind of th- like there are sometimes format dependent things but yeah those really good uncommons particularly one color that like define an archetype or support the better archetypes or the cards you want next. Yeah. Um, Like, oh, in uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the, is it Skullport per, Port Merchant? The one four that makes a treasure that's black? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like that card, like, supports the best archetype, which is red-black treasures. Right. Is a single color. And is a 1-4, so it blocks all the idiocy on the ground mm-hmm. to let you, like, leverage your mana advantage. It does everything Black wants to do. Yep. And so, like, that's the kind of card that you're like, oh, my rare is, you know, God forbid, blue. <laughs> all right, it's it's not the it's not the 3-3 three, three that steals a creature. It's some other blue rare. It's the, the blue land. Yes, the blue land. Or uh, what is the uh, of oh, the blue land or the staff? Oh yeah, yeah, staff of water deep. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, it, oh, this one four. I have a plan now. I'm going to take that. Yeah, right. So as much as you want to read signals, you also want to send signals. Yeah, and this is going to kind of like you need to pay attention to this as early as possible. Um, sending signals has like diminishing returns the when if you start sending signals early then you don't have to send them later and what you really want to do is send signals in pack one so that you get rewarded in pack two and then hopefully if you've done that right you will also get rewarded in pack three but it's like the pack one to pack two change where sending signals is going to pay off. And this is kind of what you were talking about earlier, where, you know, you're going to try and cut somebody off of a color, even if it means taking like a slightly subpar card. Slightly like in, let's say your first, like three or four picks, right? Mm -hmm. You, you want to take the best possible card, but if you have like red, 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 blue, as your four first picks, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a a red that's a six and a blue card that's like a six and a half or a seven. Mm-hmm. Maybe you take the red card because it's a little bit worse than the blue card. Right. But 
you're like guaranteed pretty much at having four red cards. I'm red. Like, yeah. I don't know what my other color is. It could be blue, but I know if I take this, I'm red. Yep. Right. And then maybe that pushes someone else, you know, a person you're passing to out of red. So yeah. you know that next pack, you're going to get all the red cards that get passed to that person are going to come to you. Yeah. And it's not just like the person directly next to you either. Like it's probably the next two or three people. Yeah. Like if you're cutting red really hard, probably the two or three people sitting next to you are not going to be red. Now that if, means that like the red cards that those two or three people open will come to you in the next pack. Yeah. So like now if you have like, you know, a, a red card that's a six and there's a blue card that's like a 10. Take the blue card, right? right. Like s signals are one thing, but having the, the way better card in your deck, but if it's close and mm -hmm. you're like, well, this is a creature with, you know, set ability stapled on it in blue. This is a creature with set ability stapled on it in red. I think like I prefer the flying of this creature over the yeah. first strike of this creature, but I'll yeah. take the red creature because that's cutting red a little bit harder. Right. I think that is perfectly fine, but mm -hmm. like, don't get so locked into like cutting your colors that you like are passing cards that are actually way better yeah i mean you don't want to take like a naturalize because you're trying to cut green over you know a murder. bomb yeah, yeah over, murder. over murder right you right. would be like that would not be a smart pick right well I, I had to cut green it's like no 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 no, no. you take the better <laughs> card yeah you could be green black now uh right. as opposed to having a naturalize Hey man, if, I, if I'm getting past murders, I'm probably moving into black. Yes, right. But you want to, uh, you want to send those signals. Also, like another thing you can do is be mindful of the cards you pass at the end of the pack. As okay, much what do you as, mean by that? So as much as passing cards in the beginning matters, right? This is something I've seen LSV do in his drafts, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say there are two, like, say you're done, like, the last three picks in your green. And the pack has, like, you know, last three pick level cards. Yeah. Right? As opposed to maybe hedging on a not green card that maybe if I, like, open a white mythic, I might have to play this, like, white card as my 23rd card. Right? Mm -hmm. Take the green card so that when you pass your opponent the pack, there are no green cards in the last two cards. Yeah. Right? So just at the end, like, the last thing they see is, like, oh, when I saw three cards, two cards, and one card, not a green card in yeah. any of them. Someone must be taking all the green cards. Right? So it's a I, small I usually thing. do that. Yeah. It's a small thing, yeah. right, where... You know, it's the cards that you're like passing over the green cards you're taking probably don't make your deck anyway. Right. Uh, especially with how cards are designed now. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, like a 2-2 two -two with an ability. Like, yeah, there's like a million of those. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to make sure that I'm sending the signal that 
there are no cards of the of the color I'm in going to you. Right. So, right, the payoff is is or the hope is, right? You the dream is you open a green rare. You take it. Your your person passing to you that you were passing to opens a green rare mm-hmm. and they pass it to you. Right? Cuz they can't play it. Right. Right? So now they give you the your second rare for the pack mm-hmm. because they know they can't play this green card because they have zero green cards in their deck. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's what that's why like sending signals is important. Yeah. Is like you're hoping for that payoff. Or like the other thing like that is great about like kind of being sending a really strong signal is what that often leaves you as is it leaves you monocolored going into pack two. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you've got ten green cards two red cards, a white card, a black card, a blue card, right? You're green and you can be anything. Right. So whatever bomb rare or uncommon you open, you can take pretty freely. Yeah. On the team. Right. right. Because now you're trying to like, you've already got, you know, probably seven things that you're super happy to play in your mm-hmm. main color. And now you have this rare that you're super happy to play so you don't have to end up with like, you know, 23 playables that are 12 green cards and 11 black cards. You can yeah. end up with something where like you've got a pretty strong f- uh, foothold in green and you might end up with, I don't know, you know, 15 green cards and eight black cards. Yeah. But you get to play your your really uh, powerful rare that you opened. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you still like. And you're still hopefully getting hooked up with the best green stuff at the table. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, if you did it correctly, you're going to anyway. Yeah. So, I think that, like, signals in pack one are super important. Yes. And are less important in pack two. Correct. Because you're not getting that person that you're passing to off of a color they're on. Right. right? Unless unless you pass them, like, some absurd stuff. But right, mm-hmm. say your opponent is blue white, right? If you pass, if you're like, well, I'm taking this really good green card and I'm passing, you know, a, a very strong red card as well, but this green card is better, they're not going to be like, oh, I guess I was wrong. I'm not white, blue white. I guess I'm red white, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to typically jump ship like that. Right. They've kind of settled into what their lane is. And like they helped determine what lane you were in because they right. were passing to you. So you have less say over them or less influence on what they do. Yeah. Right. So like I like at pack two as oftentimes where I'm trying to, especially like if I'm in the situation where I like am one color and then I open something where I'm trying to steal cards of mm-hmm. like my, of my secondary color. Yeah. Where I'm like, well, someone might try to wheel something going this way because no one was, because they were getting really good black cards mm-hmm. and they don't think anyone's in black. But yeah. I open this black rare so that I might get to steal something. You're trying yeah. to snag like somebody, somebody else's, like, I don't yeah. know, your sixth or seventh pick, but their, you know, 14th pick or whatever. Exactly. Where it's like, this card's good and like, I expect it to, like, I'll play it. Yeah. 
Right. So I'm gonna use, I'm thinking like, okay, like how can I maximize this pick now that I've made it? And it's oftentimes like, well, let me take these black cards that I wouldn't otherwise have taken. Mm-hmm. Or especially like if like there's no green card in your pack, you're like, okay, like what is this black card that shouldn't be here? Right. Right. Okay, now I can take that. So yeah, I try to I try to use like pack two to like fill out my my uh secondary color. Right, because I, you know, the hope is is that no one was in green in pack one, right? So I'll be getting all the green cards coming that way. Yeah. Right. So, like, I'll have time to like make make it work. And then pack three signals don't matter. Live your best life. Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of like pack three is. It's not that it's not important though. A lot of times, I don't know if it's just the way I draft or if I'm doing something wrong or what, but the number of drafts that I can remember where I did not have a deck until pack three. And then just like everything came together and it was magnificent. Yeah. Because you've like, you've had signals. So sending signals in pack three is not important, right? But if things have gone well in the draft, you get all the cards that are supposed to be in your deck. Yeah. Right, you get paid off for being a good drafter early on mm-hmm. because hey, like you know, I took two green black gold cards. Everyone knows that green black off is, the table is off the table, right? So now I'm gonna get my pick of any green black gold card that gets opened, pack right. three, and I'm gonna get most of the good green and black cards because everyone knows that like there's someone in that archetype. Right. Right. And like when we say everyone knows, it's not that they're like consciously like, Oh, well I guess James is in green black. It's more like pretty safe not to assume anyway, but fair, fair. (laughs) But um, it's more that like they just never saw enough green and black cards to justify yeah. being in those colors. Yeah. Oh, can we do a quick aside real quick? Sure. Quick aside. All right. So have you been, have you seen any of the Saffron Olive YouTube like shorts? He's um, been, I don't think so. He's been doing a series on the origins of deck names. Oh yeah. Right. So he talked about like Ponza, how it was based on like a calzone. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, and, I think I did know that. It was like a sandwich shop or something. Yeah. And then the origin of The Rock, since we were talking about Green Black. Yeah. Do you know, do you know the origin of The Rock? I do know the origin of The Rock. Can you smell it's a little low? Yeah, it's it's The Rock. Yeah, like, so, not, not Rock from, like, movie fandom. Rock from, like, being a wrestler. Yes. Back so, in the day. The people's champion. The, so he used to talk about how, like, even though he was, like, a heel initially... Right, how like his millions of fans yeah. were coming for you or supporting him or whatever. So the deck was a green black deck with deranged hermit. Yep. And deranged hermit makes four squirrels. <laughs> so the deranged hermit was the rock and his millions. Yep. So the deck the was squirrels called were the millions of fans. Yes. It was called The Rock and His Millions, and it got shortened to The Rock. Yep. And I was like, Can we go back to magic being fun? i know man i miss the deck names like everything's it makes it really hard to find a deck because you go to like goldfish and you look up you know 
whatever moto league results or whatever and it's like blue red green white black red yeah green like no like what's the deck doing like how do i how do i know what it is well see this is this is where like cedric who is the like the the person who is the strongest advocate for like deck names that are like salty control right or salty aggro is like well if salty aggro was called like you know the fraggles mm-hmm. right no one has any idea what the fraggles does and it's like fair but they'll look at it and be like oh the fraggles does this and then they might google where the fraggles names come from and they might momentarily feel joy yeah can we get back to (laughs) moments of joy in magic no it must be surgical and clean it must be salty aggro you could not call it the fraggles because that is does not clearly say what the deck is doing does salty aggro clearly tell me what the deck is doing I bet no. you every Fraggles deck has like <laughs> a uh, a Grim Flare in it. it has four right. Grim Flares because because that's the Fraggle, and it's like oh, <laughs> it's the Grim the Grim Flare deck. Cool, I love the Fraggles. Right. Whereas opposed, like Sultai Control doesn't run Grim Flare; it runs Hydroid Crisis instead. Yeah, and it's like yeah, well that that's a that's a different deck. That's yeah. the Titans. That's Teen Titans. Let's go. It's a different yeah. deck, right? Or well, whatever. Right, but when you look it up on Goldfish, it just says blue, black, green. Yeah, and then you're like, is this the aggro one? Is this the control one? Or is yeah. this some random, not any of those decks? But if I put in Teen Titans, I would get the right deck. Right. Yes. Like, can we can we go back? To, so they were, he was on his stream was like, so like, what are other other deck names? Like, what about Tin Fins? And I was like, oh, I know the story about Tin Fins. It's so good. <laughs> But, but like, ah, oh, yes, like, to have these stories is just yep. like good. Cephalid breakfast, just good for the game. And like, yep. I don't remember all the ins and outs of like cephalid breakfast, but I could look it up and I'd be like, oh, I see where oh, yeah. that comes from. I can get a little history lesson. That's great. Yeah. So all right, back to back to our theoretical, the Rock and his millions uh, deck <laughs> we're drafting, yes. right? Sorry about that, but I just we just kept talking right. about it. I just kept thinking the rock, the rock, <laughs> the rock, um, the rock. So, yeah, you want like pack three, like. But, so you said that there's a lot of times that your deck is like not very good, and then pack three brings it everything all comes together. Yeah, right. The like the ideal place is to be at like 17 playables that you're happy with, mm-hmm. right? And then you get like eight or nine more playables and you're like cutting like fives for sevens. Like that's the best feeling, right? Where you're like, Oh, this deck was pretty good. And then you're like, Oh man, this deck is great. Yeah. Well, like I think what happens for me is I tend to not be, I tend to be more of a powerful card player than like a synergy player. So when I, when I'm drafting, I'm looking for like just the powerful thing. I'll, I'll end up with, you know, at the end of pack two, I'll have a bunch of powerful things. And then for whatever reason, pack three usually comes around and ties all those powerful things together. Like whatever strategy, yeah, whatever synergies come around, like that's what brings the whole thing together. But I'm guessing 
you know, it's been a long time since I drafted in person, but I'm guessing that that's because of the signals I've been sending. Yeah. And reading. Yeah. I, I know like the hardest thing for me sometimes is like in the, in the powerful card mode is when your first four picks are four powerful cards in four different colors. <laughs> and you're just yeah. like, I would like to play any two of these. Can we please like send me in a direction? Yeah. And then you're like, you're like, come on, just pass me like a good uncommon that I'm that I know like, oh, that shouldn't be my fifth pick. I should take that and like go in this direction. Yeah. Right. But yeah, don't like uh I don't know. Don't feel like you have to lock in early. But there is there does come a point like you can't be like waffling more than maybe halfway through pack one. Right. Right, because then your draft kind of starts to be a train wreck and go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, I've so, certainly had those too. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you're like, this is gonna all work out, and it doesn't work out. But you want to make sure <laughs> it that you're able. Come close. Yeah, you want to make sure that you know you you kind of commit, probably maybe halfway in pack one, at least yeah. pick commit to one color. Right. Right, and like stick to it because uh, if you don't, like you don't end up with enough playables. Yeah. Right. So just kind of like like a quick aside here is there's like a mini game you can play and we kind of addressed or we touched on this a little bit earlier um and it doesn't work for arena drafting um all of these other things we're talking about work in arena drafting now that we have player draft um this one does not because you actually have to talk to your opponents but what I like to do, and I think the reason why, like when we talked earlier, you said that you have a hard time, like you know where or like which direction colors are getting cut from, but you have a hard time like placing that person. I think one of the reasons that I've become a little bit better at saying, oh yeah, you're on white green and you're on black white is because after a draft, I'll take a couple seconds and I'll ask the people at the table. I'll say... You know, I think you were, is it? And I think you were Demir. Is that correct? Because I saw this come from here and I pushed that over there. Does that make sense to both of you guys? And like that can kind of help you like realize what the signals are a little bit better than just listening to me and Brian talk about them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just like asking like, hey, like, because like you might have a feeling and it's just like kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, confirming that feeling that you that you were reading the signals correctly. Right. Yeah. The the worst is you're like, you're green black, right? And they're like blue white, and you're like, oh man, how do <laughs> funny story the I'm also were made. <laughs> I'm also blue white. I'm guessing my deck yeah. is way worse than yours. Right. Like, oh, oh, that's <laughs> that's no good. It's no yeah. good. Right. The ideal situation, right? is in in a normal draft you you play what's called in pod yeah right where this is not the way you do it on arena no so you play you draft with eight players and if you've been at a gp side of it draft you big x little x right right so there are four people on each side of the table and then you point at the person furthest from you diagonally basically like if you're on the outside you point at the person outside diagonal to you the inside people point across the table and that's who you play right Mm -hmm. 
And what's good about that is, let's say for some reason, all 24 packs that were opened in that draft were complete and utter garbage. Right? You all what have happens? bad you all have bad decks. Mm-hmm. So you're all just like your little pod is just over here like having a rock fight. Right. Right. Throwing sticks at each other. Yeah. And then another pod had like twenty really good rares opened in the pack in the packs. Mm-hmm. They have three ridiculous decks. Right. Right? That you in your little pod have no chance of ever beating. <laughs> right? You don't have to play against the 20 amazing rare pod because you're playing with just the people that opened a bunch of rocks and sticks. Yep. Right? You're not playing against Team Sherman Tank. It's fine. <laughs> right? But on Arena, they don't do that because, right, you need the, f- the freedom to, like, I'm going to draft and now I'm going to go away for three hours. Right. And you don't want to. Like, yeah. And you don't want to tie those other seven people. Yeah. And their next draft to the uh, to this person coming back. So yeah. on Arena and like at our local game store, we would play CrossPod. Right. Which means your rocks and sticks have to go up against the tank. Mm-hmm. And it's or just vice like, versa. Yeah. Right? And you're just like, oh, I gotta try my best, but <laughs> but like playing in pod is is kind of preferable because one, the power level of the decks are usually closer to one another. Yeah, and you also get rewarded for picking up what the table is telling you. Yeah. Because if you sit down and you can, you know, put the guy two seats away from you on is it then you kind of have an idea what you're going to see when you play them because you passed them those cards. Yeah, or you, in that same vein, like, you know that there was a a, a red-black removal spell, right, <laughs> that was going around the table. Right. And so, you know, if you're, if you're an old-timer... Was it Kaladesh or Aether Revolt that had um, unlicensed disintegration? Uh, Kaladesh. Kaladesh, right? You know there's an unlicensed disintegration, and you start playing against the red-black player. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe you're a little... Maybe you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't crew my vehicle here because it opens it up to getting killed by... Disintegrated. Yeah, disintegrated, because they have three mana up. And I know there was an unlicensed disintegration. Right, yep. where if you're cross pod, like you can. All bets are like, off. Yeah, you well, get Ember cooled. <laughs> you get Ember cooled. <laughs> How'd you get it in the set, Ember cool? Uh But it's more like stuck well, in the moon, don't you know? It it, it is stuck in the moon, mm-hmm. but you could be in a situation where you're like, well, unlicensed disintegration isn't uncommon. I know they're representing that they have three mana, but they could have just like, you know, not had anything Only else had to four play. Drops. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to crew up my uh, Renegade Freighter yep. and get in there. And then they unlicense disintegration you. And you're like, yep. oh, like was I supposed to play around the uncommon I didn't know about? Right. Maybe. But at the same, but so it makes it a little bit easy if you're like, 100%, there was an unlicensed disintegration in this pool. Yeah. 
So I'm going to play around it here because I 100% know there was an unlicensed disintegration in this pool. As opposed to being like, they could have it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, this card's in their deck. Now I have to figure out, is it in their hand? (laughs) Right. Right. So I much prefer playing in pod. Yeah, I do too. Like you don't have the, you know, there's also the times where, you know, the person who is like competent at draft mm-hmm. gets put in in a pod of people that are fine, but like they always just end up with like a ridiculous deck because it's like, oh, you draft against like three people that didn't know the best right. archetype was red white, <laughs> and they yeah. pass you heroic and uh, uh, heroic reinforcements. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I guess I get to be the best draft archetype. Cool, right? And it's like, oh, I just got rolled because they got past this card twice. Yep. Because that person's always like, oh, yeah, I got past uh, the heroic interventions, pack one, pick three. And you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, I hate two people. <laughs> oh, right. like Or whatever, like, you know, like, oh, I got like, you know, my third Zenith flare. Yeah. Pack one, pick six. And it's just like, why didn't the other people take <laughs> this card? Why do you have three of them? Like, that's not okay. No. Uh, so, like, you know, where they get rewarded for people not knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so, like, one deck in that pod is way off scale compared to everything else. Because, like, right. could you imagine, like, uh, in Ikoria, like, you know, it's the second F&M. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm there drafting one mana cyclers. Right. Like, pack one, pick one. You know, Imperious Greatsword or whatever that thing was, the the three six that cycled yeah. for one. Yeah. Because the best deck in the format was the cycling deck, and you just needed one mana cyclers, and then getting one mana cyclers like pick twelve. <laughs> like your deck's just absurd because like you're in the know. Yeah. Right. But if you're in a deck with th- in a pod with three other people in the know, you don't get like. 22 one mana cyclers in your deck that's playing 12 lands yeah right so it's it's just different when you're playing cross pod versus in pod yeah right it feels different for sure uh um, i think they're, they're, it's more fun to play in pod too yeah because you also get the like oh yeah i passed you that i thought you took yeah. that yeah. or like what were what was your deck that you didn't take that kind of deal mm-hmm and then, like go- going back to what you were saying about, you know, some pod, some pods being, you know, a, a rock fight, and some pods being nuclear war. When when you're building your deck, and you know, picking your cards for draft, just kind of be conscious of your mana curve, because your draft deck doesn't, especially when you're playing in pod, it doesn't have to be like the best draft deck ever drafted. It just has to be the best draft deck at the table. And a lot of times in limited, like you, you'll win a game just because you have a decent mana curve. Like if you can go one one drop, two drop, three drop, most limited decks can't handle that, even if they're bad one, two, and three drops. You just got on the board first and you applied pressure first and like sweepers aren't great and limited and you know, maybe one or two cards can't catch them right back up if you've got them down to, you know, four life on turn four. So curve is important. Make sure you pay attention to that. 
And like I think I had mentioned earlier, a lot of times, like my decks will be almost rareless. Like, you know, maybe I'll get lucky and get like an on color rare or whatever, but I don't rare draft when I'm, you know, drafting my decks or whatever. I don't, you know, just gravitate towards, oh, that's a myth that got to take it. Like, you know, make sure that it fits in my deck or what I'm trying to do. And a lot of times, you know, my decks will be full of commons and uncommons and might only have one rare. Some of the best decks I ever drafted had no rares in them. The, uh, I think my, my first day two deck for that uh, Modern Horizons GP, mm-hmm. I think the first deck didn't have any rares in it. Okay. If, it, if I did, it was only, it was only one. It was, it was almost rareless. And I think like a lot of my best decks are, you know, have yeah, very few rares. Yeah. Well, you have a tendency to draft more aggressive decks. That's and, true also. And so there, I mean, recently those decks have been really good. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that does change things. Like I have a tendency to draft like slower, grindier decks. Yeah. Uh, but you still have to pay attention to your curve there because you have to block the the three the two mana three ones mm. that get played against you, right? Right, like you need like stupid one one with like a dice trigger, right? Yeah. You need uh, shambling ghast, yeah, so that you can like well I'll block and if you have another one toughness thing I guess I'll kill it and if you don't I'll rip myself, yeah, like kind of deal. Or like, well, I have a one four. All right, like now I can block your three one profitably for a while, or yeah. you know, you're not going to attack, and it'll buy me two extra turns. Like you can't just be like, I'm the late game deck. My right. first creature is a four drop. It's like, oh cool, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, you're it dead. It doesn't matter. Yeah, unless you, unless your creature is a plague wind, it does not matter. <laughs> yeah, especially in limited like. It's hard to it's hard to get your curve right, and it's also sometimes really tricky to get your mana right, especially if you've been a little bit greedy like during the draft. So, like limited decks seem to stumble a little bit more or a lot more than like actual constructed decks do. So, if you can like if you can you know one drop one drop two drop three drop and like your opponent gets stuck on their third land and can't play anything or you know they're missing a color or something you want to be in a position where you can punish them for it because that's going to happen probably more times than it's not going to happen like somebody is going to at some point stumble it's just kind of the nature of the format so and i guess you're right that that tip kind of does come from me playing more aggressive decks but they do work but like a lot of times you can get away with not having more powerful cards in the more aggressive decks because like you just care about like power and toughness. Right. Right. But, uh, but no, there's definitely, there are formats though that like, this is an, an limited resources. If you really want some limited deep dives stuff term, there's a prince and popper formats. Okay. Where prince formats are really rare focused mm-hmm. and like rare and like, you know, there's, really important mythic uncommons like those uncommons you never see that never ever get passed right yeah. and then there are popper formats that are more focused on the commons like 
be like, oh, hey, I don't need any rares on my deck. I can put together a perfectly functional deck with like a handful of uncommons and all these commons. Right. But there are some formats that are like, oh, no, like for your deck to be good, you have to have, you know, one you have to have multiple rares to like have the power level to compete. Yeah. And then there's other formats where like the rares are good, but they're not so much better than everything else that you can't just play like, you know, you know, the the four mana four four that draws a card when it comes into play. Right. Mm -hmm. Which sounds like I made up a card, but I'm sure it's real somewhere. Right. Is it that much worse than, you know, the four mana five four that comes into play and deals three damage to something at rare? Yeah. Right. They're they're pretty comparable. Right, so it's not like like you're like, oh man, I have to take this 5-4. It's like, well, no, like you could take the good removal spell because you know that the 4-4 is going to come around and you can get it. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's... It's, it's kind of set dependent, but you are right. You can end up with good decks that are like, you know, not that many rares. And I definitely have had a lot of like, I have one rare. Where like the rares you open aren't don't fit your theme or are just kind of like, eh? Yeah. Right. Again, see staff of black deep or whatever. <laughs> Water deep. Water deep. Yeah. You're just like, Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's going to come back around. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so I think we will skip. We're in an hour. We can skip drafting the hard way. Yeah. we'll skip that. And then we'll do, uh, Bread and keto next week. Okay, do you think that's enough for a whole show? Or we could get it now. Like, how long do you think that'll take? Um. Well, I. I mean, I. I didn't really brush up on keto. Like I said, I was only okay. half paying attention to it. So. Yeah, we'll we'll just call it and we'll uh, we'll catch that next week. And I think we can probably finish that next week. Plus, this will give like people an opportunity to ask questions if they want to. Yeah, and and we can maybe talk spoilers. Oh, yeah, 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 that too. So we can finish this up and talk spoilers. Yeah. But we we do have to get the big thing in here, though. All right, so we've talked about sending and receiving signals. Yep. Do not hate draft. Oh, what's hate drafting? When you take a card because you can't, but you can't play it, but you don't want to play against it because it's so good. Yeah. Right? So... You just end up making your deck worse. Right. And you really might not impact your um, the person who would have taken that card's deck that much anyway. So yeah, I the, mean, ch- chances are like your opponent's probably like you're not going to see the card. You know what I mean? Exactly. Especially if you're playing a cross pod, the chances of you seeing whatever card you're passing are like slim to none. Right. So. Let's say you're like, uh, even in pod, right? So you, if you pass that card that you're like, oh, it's too good. I don't want to play against it. You have to first get paired against the person that drafted that card. Right. Two, they have to draw that card. Mm -hmm. And then three, they have to resolve that card. Yeah. Right. And then you have to not have an answer for it. Yeah. So, like, a lot of stuff has to go wrong for that card to even matter, right? right? 
And so is it better to just take a card and effectively throw it in the trash mm-hmm. or have any creature with power and toughness or <laughs> any removal spell that was in that pack? Right. right. Or, I mean, even like a card draw spell. Yeah. Anything other than just dumpster fodder. Right. Right now, you would much rather have the card that you can play. Right. So you're not like being super sneaky or like next level being like, I'm going to hate draft this card so they can't play it. Like you're just hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. Basically. So just send that card along because, Mm -hmm. right, as much as your deck's going to be better for it in the long run. Yeah. And if like at your local store, you can get, you know, if the custom becomes we don't hate draft. Right. Right. Then you're going to get rewarded as the person who sent good signals in pack two and pack three, because the person in this beside you or two seats down is going to open a green black mythic. Right. And it's going to end up with you. Yep. Because I mean, that, that has happened multiple times in the past. Yes. Is I have had people, you know, say that like after the draft is over, they would come up and ask me, "Oh, dude, did you get that uh, I don't even, Witherbloom command that I passed you?" And I'll say, "Yeah." And he go, they'll say, "You know, I could have played it, but I knew you were in that, so I passed it so you could have it." Or and or like that they comes could, from having good signals. Yeah, or they, you know, they could have splashed it and it wouldn't have been as good. Well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, but like. As opposed to being like them just being like, well, I'm going to hate draft this. It's too good. It's like, well, no, no, like you're hurting yourself. And in the long run, if like that just becomes a thing you do, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe the rare that you need to pass would have taken your deck from a seven to an eight or a Mm -hmm. nine. It would made your deck way better. But you hate draft every time you have a chance. So the person beside you is like, Oh, I'm just going to like, I guess we hate draft here. I'm just going to take this rare and not play it. And that was yeah. the rare you needed to make your deck better. Yeah. Right. So, so it hurts uh, yourself. All You hurt yourself all the way around. Yeah. So kind of like tangential to hate drafting. Do you want to talk about rare drafting real quick? Sure. So rare drafting is where like you, it's kind of in the same vein as hate drafting where like you're going to take a card so that specifically somebody else can't play it. But rare drafting is a little bit different where you're taking the rare, like just because it's either worth money or you need it or whatever. Like it's not going to work in your deck, but you're taking it for some like out of the game reason. So what, what are your feelings on rare drafting? Um, I am all for rare drafting at like a certain monetary value, mm-hmm. right? Like if you open a Raghavan and you're green black, right? In the, in my in my pool, you're right. you're on the team, buddy. Yeah, but like, I don't see the reason to like ruin your draft or mm-hmm. make your deck worse by taking a card you aren't going to play. Right now, again, like everyone's economics vary, mm-hmm. right? 
you know, what if you are working on, you know, a a deck and you really need uh, a rare for it, right? You're like, oh man, I really need a gold span dragon. Yep. I've tried to finish uh, is it dragons and I need like two more gold span dragons and you open a gold span dragon. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay. Like, it doesn't help this draft, right? Because you're, you know, again, green black. It doesn't help this draft. Yeah. But you need that card for your collection because next week you're going to play standard and yeah. you need a gold span dragon. Sure. Well, to, I mean, to be fair though, I would splash a gold span dragon in my green black deck. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we said you don't splash double color cards, boys and girls, unless it's apparently gold span dragon. He'll fix well, your mana. I'm already, I'm already in green. Like fair. my mana's is going to be fine. Fair. <laughs> uh, but but my my point being no. I, I think that it's it's fine for like money considerations like if it's a money card sure like yeah. I can't I can't argue with you right. if it's a card you really need for constructed sure yep but if you're just taking rare cards because they're rare mm-hmm. and not looking at the rest of the pack and taking the best card for you right then, you know, that's kind is of the same as hate drafting. Kind of. Like you're hurting yourself by taking this rare that may or may not be or isn't, you know, useful to you in yep. any way, shape, or form. So, like, don't rare draft. No, I know a few episodes ago I was like, I rare drafted the crap out of uh, Dungeons and Dragons for Arena. Well, uh, and there was a and specific different. reason why, why, that worked for Dungeons and Dragons though. Like that set was so underpowered that the rares really weren't like they were going super late in the packs because they just weren't impactful. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm good. I will of course throw away like a 12th pick if there's a rare in there because the chances of there being, you know, nothing else in there are slim to none. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think that, by and large, rare drafting is bad. Yeah. But I am aware that sometimes, like, that's the best way for you to get a card. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, so go go for it. Or, like, hey, like, if I take this card, I get to pay for three drafts. Right? Because, right. like, a Raghavan is, like, seven drafts? Yeah. Or something? Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take my seven drafts. That's great. I'll do that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, for the most part, like you know, random like fifty cent rare that you're only taking because it's a rare and it doesn't go into your deck makes no sense. Right. I don't know where the dollar mark is that like I'm taking this. Uh, ten, fifteen dollars maybe. Yeah, fifteen, fifteen, yeah. twenty maybe somewhere in there. Somewhere in there where you're like, you know what? Yeah. I can't play you, but I don't have to buy you now. So yep. you paid for my draft. Yeah, you paid for my draft. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Yeah, but don't don't just make it like a habit where you're like, oh, always take my rare. Right. Especially like, you know, that third pick sketch rare that two pe- other people passed. Yeah. Again, we're going to get it wrong again. Staff of Waters Deep? Yeah, that's, yeah I think it's just Water Deep. But, water yeah. Deep? 
We're going to get there eventually. <laughs> right. One of but, these days. But like you see that and you're not just like, oh, yeah, move it in. You're just like, oh, it's a rare. I take rare. Yeah. Like that's that's how you get like not great decks. Right. Now, you know, with uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, right? It was a set that really lent itself to aggression. Yeah. So like, and a lot of the aggressive cards were at like common. Right. So you could throw away, you know, a pick and be like, oh, well, my deck's going to be fine because I'm going to like see seven interchangeable commons. Right. And I'll be able to get all of those. But for the most part, you'd much rather take like, you know, the magic missile Mm -hmm. to go with your hobgoblin commander or whatever. Yeah. As opposed to taking staff of water deep. (laughs) <laughs> being like i'm not playing this yeah the hand of vecna the hand of vecna that card's actually was actually good no yeah, yeah that card was a house <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you guys get that and you're like well i got this stupid three one i guess i'll put pants on it and attack you for eight first striking right your yeah. move buddy was it which one? one of them was bad i was the eye the bad one? It entered and drew you a card, then you had to like pay two mana and two life to draw a card. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Book of Vile Dark was it Book of Night Vile Dark yeah. was the other one? Yeah. That card was like unplayable. Yeah. That's the one I meant, not yeah. the hand. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the hand was good. <laughs> yeah. Book of Vile Darkness. Black, yeah. black, black has no text. Right. <laughs> Doesn't even do anything in the graveyard. Come on incinerate your pack to pick one yes that's what it does <laughs> yeah it's a mythic it's a really bad mythic yeah uh so yeah so don't hate draft don't rare draft always for the most part. Be, yeah for the most part be focused on like having the best deck you can have mm-hmm. yep focus okay. on your signals focus on reading and giving them yep so you'll get better and and practice man like limited takes way more practice than constructed does but i think it's more rewarding too like yeah i I mean i've said on the show a million times that i really enjoy drafting and i think that comes from like exercising those skills like the reading signals and the sending signals and like that part of it i really like playing with bad decks is you know, not my ideal. So I really don't care about actually playing limited, but I do really enjoy drafting. I enjoy drafting. And like, I, the reason I like to play out the games or I, I enjoy playing out the games maybe more than you do is mm-hmm. like playing out the games is like a proof of concept. Yeah. Like, hey, I think that's this a good drafted, way of putting it. I think this, I drafted a good deck. Does mm-hmm. it play out as good as I thought it was going to play out? And, like, sometimes you're just like, oh, I flooded out four times. I have no idea if this deck is good. (laughs) Right? But then there are other times you're like, oh, no, like, this card and this card work together the way I thought they would. And, oh, this little pocket synergy that we've talked about before, that was really good. Oh, next time I do a draft, I want to try to get this card to see if it works well with this. Like, I like that part of it. The, like, there's a, like, there's a puzzle to solve and, like, playing the games is how you see if you put all the pieces together right. Yeah, that's true. You tend to have a lot more of those 
like moving parts to juggle than I do. Yeah, you're you're more just like, does this does this turn sideways and make <laughs> and make ouchies? It does. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. And you'll run me over. And then every so often there'll be that glorious. Was it like was it hour of devastation draft where like you're playing aggro stuff and I just played back to back two fours that gained me three life. <laughs> and you're just like, well, <laughs> you just gave six win. life. <laughs> you just gave six life. It's like, yeah, that, that makes up for all the times that you killed me on turn five. There we yeah. go. We're, we're, we're even now. Two, four, game three. <laughs> yes. I discounted your hand. All right. Uh, but yeah, so next week we have um, some updates or an update from. Um, on some kind of like classic magic heuristics for draft. Right. Uh, yep. And then limited resources kind of, uh, they did an episode about this last week that was kind of fitting because it is at the same time as we're doing our limited yeah. episode. So go check theirs out and we're going to cover it next week. Yeah. So. We'll give you, give you some thoughts and yep. we'll probably take some time to uh, talk about some werewolves. I'm assuming. Yeah, probably. We'll probably have a couple to talk about. So, I have one little arena thing. Okay. Um, I know you said you didn't play much ladder. Did you play any ladder? Uh, other than like some standard twenty twenty one like Saturday, no. Oh, so you didn't notice if they changed the way ladder works again? I didn't know what what was happening or not happening so like i got i didn't play much ladder last season so i got reset like all the way back to silver Mm -hmm. and i was like i said at the top of the show and in um the pre-show i was messing around with some different um like dragon rage channeler and uh vesper lark decks and i noticed that i was losing progress in silver Huh? And that didn't that didn't used to happen. You didn't lose progress in silver. You do not. And then in gold, I was losing rungs, which you didn't used to do. Oh no, you always lost rungs. You lose progress, but once you hit a rung, you would stay there. No, in gold at least. Yeah. No, 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 no. You could. So when you would fall down to the bottom of a rung. Yeah. You usually had two, like it would hold you there for like two or three losses. Oh. And then you could fall down. Oh, at least okay. I at least I'm pretty sure. Like I'm almost positive you could lose progress in gold cuz I feel like I have. Uh Well, it, like you used to, but then I thought they changed it to where you didn't lose rungs anymore. Oh, cuz the other thing I knew that changed in gold was that you would get two wins. Yeah, two, you still get steps. you still get two blocks for a win. So yeah, maybe maybe they did. Like I had not noticed it. So hmm. I definitely lost progress in silver though, and I'm pretty sure that's new. Yeah, losing progress in silver that is weird. Yeah, I thought it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. Like I feel yeah, like I they guess keep if you like... haven't been on ladder, then yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah, I think I'm in platinum though. Okay. La di da. But yeah, yeah, I think I'm in Look platinum. At you go. I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I played a lot of brawl last time around. I played a lot of brawl last season. That's fine. It's fine. Like like I said, standard twenty twenty one has grown on me a little bit. 
it, yeah, 2022, you mean? 2022, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it, it does, it does feel like just a, a Goldspan Dragon format. But yeah, yeah, I, but I haven't played a ton, so all right. It was just a question I had. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So now with all of that, I think yeah. we have a podcast. Yeah, I think that was a show. So if you'd like to get at us, you can find us on Twitter at Casual Tripod. Yep, like we said, if there's anything limited that we didn't discuss that you want to hear about, or if you had any ideas, um, we do have some time next episode. We can cover some of that stuff. So you can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us, show at casualtryhardmtg.com with any of your comments or questions. We also have our Discord. There's a link in the description. If you're not already in there, there's also a link on social media. If for some reason you're not in there and you want to be and you can't get a link to work, hit us up at one of the other places and we'll send you a link to get you in there. Um, on top of that, don't forget to order cards using our TCG player uh, affiliate link. If you're going to order cards, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. And if you want to throw a couple bucks in the pot, uh, help keep the show going, get access to our pre-show, get access to show notes. I just sent out the last round of Patreon givebacks today. If you want to get it on the next round, uh, hit us up on patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. We'll appreciate it. And you'll appreciate it. We will. And you will. Yeah. Because <laughs> I said so. Yes, we have to listen to him. The beard. Yes, yeah. power. That's right. Second best beard in esports. Second best beard. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I don't feel like you're allowed to just like he was. I don't think PK was allowed to proclaim himself best beard. There should have been like. An well, I mean, you off. you tried to pro- proclaim me best beard. Yeah, but, but see, PK already you, had it. Yeah, but. I feel like we can dith- dethrone him. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So with that, we will catch you at FNM. We'll catch you at FNM. Local health rec- uh, recommendations notwithstanding. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>